Welcome to the Veterans Day of Mind. I'm your host, Garen Jones, and I'm very honoured to bring you a special guest today. Um, his name is Harry Billinge, MBE. Um, Harry was a commando sapper who fought ashore at Gold Beach on D-Day. Um, he fought through Normandy, fought on the Rhine. He fought all the way through to the end of the war. Um, goes without saying that he saw an incredible amount of combat, lost a lot of friends, and now Harry is doing everything in his power to um, to keep the memory of those people alive. Uh, he raises money for charity. You will have seen him on a TV before. I'm sure you will have heard him on the radio. Uh, it's a real privilege to have him on here with us. Um, I'm not going to go into any more preamble today. I want to get straight into it because this guy is a is a true a true hero and an absolute character of a bloke. And I am extremely honoured to have been on to have that conversation. So please give a very warm welcome to Mr. Harry. Billinge, MBE. How are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm great. I'm really uh, privileged to have this conversation with you today. I want to say thank you for to Jake for making it possible. Uh, it helps to have it helps to have neighbours in high places. Well, Jake is a wonderful fella. He's been down and done quite a lot for me because I can't do much now. And uh, he fixed my wall up. It was very good. And he's down and painted my shed under the garden. He's coming to finish it off sometime next week when the weather's a bit drier. I'll keep my fingers crossed uh, for that. I hope you get the good weather for it. I've heard you just had, you've had a train named after yourself recently as well. Yeah, that was all right. <laughs> I've got to get up next uh, Wednesday. No, yeah, the 7th of uh, of November. I've got to be up to the station at Sarostal for the trains, Great Western Railway. I'm giving a I reach over to the guard on that early train at five o'clock in the morning, and all the stations up from Penzance, Hale, Redmoof, Hostel, Bobbin, etc., and be somebody on the platform to give the guard the wreath, and uh, they'll put all these wreaths on the Great Western Railway uh, Memorial on platform one at Paddington. Oh, that's that's amazing. And um, so you 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 do a lot for um you do a lot for Remembrance Sunday and then um charity in general, don't you? Well, I can't forget. <laughs> mm. I've never been able to forget. I've been seventy six years D Day <laughs> and it's even worse now since I've been collecting since uh, uh, twenty eighteen. I've had it every day like I'm doing now with you. I've had it every day. I've never been able to forget D-Day. How, how, how is that then, Harry? Because it's something that I think about and I know other veterans like myself, you know, from Afghanistan and Iraq, we think about a bit because yeah. there's, part of you that, there's part of you that knows you need to move on from those things, but then you don't want to forget, do you? Mine was a world war. I had men die with me. I had all one bloke died with me. Uh, and he, I died that day too. I held a bloke's hand and said a prayer. Now, you, there are no words to describe D-Day. No one can understand anything about D-Day unless he was there. You had to be there. Do you realise there was 22,442 men killed on the... Gold Beach, where I landed, 
all those years ago. When, when, when that happened then, Harry? Yeah. When, when that happened then, do you believe, like, at that point, was your life, in a way, it was your life was always going to be about D-Day once that happened? I, felt, I had two years in Dartford in Kent, in hospital there. And the consultant tried to help me to forget. And after two years, they said, the consultant said, we can't help you, Harry. You've got too vivid a memory. And that's how it is. I never went to sleep at night for years after 1946, when I got discharged from the army. I used to go for a walk. At night time, sleep in the day. Well, what I want to know, Harry, is how did you end up there in the, in the first place? Did you ever? It, was this something growing up that you wanted to do, or was it because just because of the war that you got sucked into it? My dad was a soldier in 1905 when the British soldier wore a red tunic, and he was in the 1949 New Year's Honours. He was in the Royal Engineers, but he started off in the in the uh, South White no, in the Royal North Lancashire Regiment. That was in 1905. And he came out the army in 19th of June, 1949. Wow. And he had the Imperial Service Medal presented to him by the King, King George VI, for faithful service. Wonderful words, faithful. And my dad was a wonderful man. Uh, He taught me all I know, and that's how I'm still here. My dad was a soldier, and he taught me how to keep my head down and keep my mind. No good being afraid. If you're afraid, you might as well throw your towel in. I'm never afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. I never have been. If you keep your head with all about you were losing theirs and blaming it on you. I had the Prince of Wales came up here or well, a few months ago and I met him in the rugby club in Slostal. His helicopter landed on the rugby field and he came in the room in the rugby club, my wife, myself and him. There weren't any fish heads, just no big councillors, another that rubbish, <laughs> three of us. And he shook my hand when he came in and he said, Harry, I understand you used to blow things up. <laughs> and I did. I said, yeah, I could do that. I was an expert. So he knew more about me than I knew myself. So yeah, that's what it's about. I didn't want any mm. rank. I never took any rank. I did War Certificate A Part 1 and 2 with my brother at the 12th Course School Tunbridge in 1939, before the war, and I passed. My brother took up a commission in the City of London Royal Fusiliers. And I had a bit of paper to say I passed the exam, but I never pushed it. I didn't want to tell someone to do something that would kill, get them killed. Have you got to walk out of your own salvation? Every man to himself. Never ordered anybody. But I had real killers from Glasgow, from Govan, real killers. And they turned to Christ 
Maybe it's in a hole in the ground. They used to say, say a prayer, our men are the more going. And that's why a lot of them fellas came back, because they were preserved by the Almighty. I believe that. When you were growing up, did you think that you'd go to war? Was it something that you thought would happen? Well, my dad was uh, in the First World War and in the Boer War. Uh, he was in your place where you were, in Afghanistan. I got his medal, 1919. The Afghans have always been a bloody nuisance. <laughs> my dad told me that uh, the Senecus didn't out there. They were terrible people. Afghanistan. Afghanistan. That was started by that clot of brown, bloody political. Like he stepped in there. And that Blair, he's a, he is really a war criminal. He put blokes in Iraq. Well, nobody had been in there with that bush. What, what's your thoughts on politicians, Harry? I like collecting tins for the memorial. It says, uh, if you love your freedom, thank a veteran, not a politician. <laughs> I, I like to be comfortable and I deserve to be comfortable. And I got the money to do that. I worked till I was 83. So I don't worry about anything anymore. My wife has been married with me 66 years. Well, we're, we're, uh, oh, there's no words to describe that either. She looks after me like a Dutch uncle, and I look after her as best I can. But I can't do much now. Not at 95, going on 96. <laughs> and I'm still here. What's what's the what's the keys to a sixty six? How, how do you have a sixty six year old um, year long marriage then, Harry? Being understanding, being kind, being faithful. That's all it is. People overcomplicate it. You think? I've complicated in marriage. It's a give and take. Mm. These people don't last five minutes because they take but they can't give. Mm. Me, I'm quite satisfied. I've no regrets at all. I've no regrets for marrying my wife. And I've no regrets for being with them brave men. So, some of them mates I am was 16 years of age. Really? Yes. Yeah. If you don't believe me, ever been out of Normandy? Normandy and France and Belgium and Holland and even in Germany. One big cemetery. Mm. I'll be honest, I hate the Germans beyond measure. I do. They weren't soldiers, they were butchers. They went in a, a place called Oradorsaglane, that's in Normandy. They shot all the men and put all the women and kids in the church and set fire to it. They went over Capron in 1941 and machine gunned the kids in the playground at Capron, South East London. Now, what kind of soldiers is that? So you knew you were fighting a war of good versus evil. Oh, hey, I never took a prisoner. I never took a prisoner. Do you, do you think when you, um, when, when you were doing that, Carrie, do you think that that was um, how most guys felt about it? That was justice. I thought I was being judged because they started it and we finished it. But we never won the peace. 
they did. Now we've got Germans and French telling me what to do. <laughs> you've got to be bloody crazy, ain't you? It must be, like, infuriating to see the things that you fought for and the things that people died for. It must be infuriating to see those getting taken away without a fight. These blokes died. What for? We fought for a load of rubbish, really. They used 88 millimeter guns. You had them blowing it from the land, the Germans, and you had the ships flying from the, from the ships. The noise was worse in the First World War. The noise was beyond measure. And blokes never got out the sea. The sea was red with human blood. How did you and the guys, when you, you knew you were going to be involved in that, you knew you were going to be these people that were coming against such hard defence? Nobody told me anything, only my dad, and that was, keep your bloody head down, and that's what I did. you got to keep your head. No good getting afraid. There was terrible goings on, but you've got to keep your head. That's what I did. Can, can you talk us through what happened on D-Day with you? Liberate France, Belgium, Holland, and, and even feed the Germans, didn't we, in the end? But is it for you guys in your, in your, because you were a commando sapper, right? Yes. So did you guys have, um, did you have a particular... Well, yeah. Uh, mi- mis- he, many an officer have said to me, what's your job? I said, to kill the enemy. That's what we did. <laughs> He was the enemy. Did you hate the enemy before you got to France? I didn't like them because they, I'm talking about 1940 when they come over from every night bombing London. And then they come and machine gun those kids in Sandy Road School. They ain't bloody more. That's murder. Six million Jews they killed. So you wanted to get over there? I did, yeah. I did. My old man was a soldier... 1905. He knows he ain't bloody silly. No. That's what I believe. And that's me. But I don't know punches. I tell them truth. And if you tell the truth, nobody will like you. They know truth incarnate to a cross. So why should I worry? I don't worry about it. I like you, Harry. <laughs> I like you telling the truth. Well, I tell the truth. But you mustn't tell the truth. You get put in prison. They, they won't stand that. That's called racism or something. I'm a stupid. But you mustn't tell the truth. For God's sake, you start talking the truth, you'll be in trouble. Do you ever feel that being at war is more simple than, than being in the peace that comes after it? There ain't no peace. What are you talking about? There's been no peace since the war finished. They're still killing one another. You had Iraq. Your mob, Afghanistan. I tell you, they're all bloody bad. So you don't think you don't think that people can live at peace? Never been. You know that. Mm. They're still killing one another. You put the news on there, you'll hear all about it everywhere. These Iraq folks are having a go at everybody. There's the Muslims against Christians. What a load of bollocks. <laughs> why? Why do you think it? Why do you think it is that way? That's people. That's the evil in men. There's also a divine spark in a man that needs fanning to a flame. You're all bloody crazy. The only same blokes are blokes like me, old pinch, old old pensioners. They've been through the war if they wanted the army. 
and they know what it's all about. You took your life in your own hand every night they bobbed you. But we're still here. And thank God for that. But I'm able to do what I do with a memorial is all I do. My wife gives me stick sometimes because <laughs> she's fed up with everybody having a go at me and what have you. But I, I still carry on. They don't stop me. My wife said you killed yourself. Well, that's all right. A lot of blokes died I was with for nothing. So at least I'm doing something to help in the memorial. What, what's, the, what's the most important thing for you for people to remember about the people that you served with? The fallen. Uh, that's, that's what I want everybody to remember that. That was a big price to pay with their life to make us free. And we ain't free. <laughs> We're all being held by banks now. <laughs> the bank got us everybody by the balls. <laughs> they got everybody, but they ain't got me because I couldn't care less. Control is what they want, really. Are you very proud to be a commando? Yeah, I am. A bloke who's committed and who's in charge of his soul and in charge of his strength. That's all you've got to be, and I am. Yeah, I am proud to think I was allowed to do what I did. And now, and not only then, but now, at this moment, to do the collecting for the memorial in Normandy. Harry, for young people listening, can you tell them about what, why remembrance is so important and why they should keep, keep it going for the rest of their lives? You've got to be consistent. If you believe in something, never forget you can't forget it then. If you're really committed, you won't forget. And I can't forget anyway. Do you worry that it's something that will, will be forgotten um, when, when, you know, in, in 20, 30 years' time? Or do you think people will keep it going? Wow. Have you ever seen this? Uh, I've seen part of the memorial they're building. It stretches right across the top of the cliff. It's got to be maintained. And everybody will go and see that. And it's uh, sticking their mind because the people are not silly. It, because in every man there's a divine spark. There's a good thing in every man. Not all evil, but they are evil at the same time sometimes. But all the principal people that go and see this memorial, with I say 22,442 men's names on there, You've um you've been part of raising the funds for the memorials, haven't you? I have. I must have collected over fifty thousand pounds. So you you mentioned that obviously you're living with your wife, and she says that you know she'd like you to take a break from from this from this kind of thing. Yeah. Has it been really important to you with you know having the experiences you had in the war? Has has she been vital for you to have that to have that kind of a good life after that? Well, of course. Listen, I owe a lot to the BBC, the ITV, the Great Western Railway. Uh, all these people have publicised my calls. And they have money sent in now straight to the place in Warwick Square, London, the Memorial, Normandy Memorial Trust. Now, I owe them a debt. I told the BBC and everybody else. That train they named after me. It, it was a bloody good advert. 
And I didn't do me any harm because everybody thought it was a good thing. We have um, serving soldiers listening to the podcast. Do you have any, um, like, what what advice would you give to somebody now who's currently serving in the army? Maybe we've got a few commandos out there listening. You tell them, their mate is a bloke right next to them. And help one another, give one another strength to the bloke who's losing a bit of art, give him strength. Know what your mate needs. He needs friendship and determination. And if you help the bloke through to save his life, you do so. That's the only thing I can say. Support one another beyond measure. I told everybody, the fellas I was with in the war, Normandy veterans, I call them, loved one another beyond the love of women. Now, if you was in a bloody hole with a bloke, he's part of you. He's part of you. You'll never forget the bloody blokes in the hole, in the ground. You dig in. That's what you have to do. And then you're in with a good blokes. And the fellas in there are shining. They are the guts or getting a bit windy. But you've got to give a bit of strength to the bloke. Put him on the right road. We're all the only human. But we need a bit of divine power to get everybody through in a dirty situation. That's my advice. And where are you, where are you living? I'm, a, I'm up in uh, Wrexham in North Wales. Oh, I was with them. Hey, I'm an honorary member of the South Wales Borders. They landed at Hills, Joel Beach. The only Welsh regiment that landed on D-Day. Oh, well, they were, they're one of the forerunners to my regiment. They've been amalgamated now, but it was the, um, the they, they were one of them. They always bugger about with people's uh, tradition. Yeah. So you can't destroy that. The, the blokes I was with were South Wales Borderers. Same guys as uh, Rourke's Drift. They're lovely blokes. They looked after one another. My mate called Mr Evans, Billy Evans, a special memorial uh, to Bill in uh, an else. His mate was called Jones. Now, you know, in the Welsh Regiment, you've got to know the bloke. <laughs> the differentiate between Joneses, Evans, and all the rest of Because everybody's called Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Jones. <laughs> Are you? I was... Yeah, I was Jones. I was Jones three five. Yeah, this day, funny enough, this bloke is called, in the South Wales borders called Jones thirty six. <laughs> he had half his face blown away on D Day, oh. and the Evans went over and tried to stop the bleeding, but of course he died, and that was Bill Evans. There's a memorial to him at Hills. I got it on DVD too. That he was staying when he went to the grave. What a waste, he said. What a waste. That was his mate, Joe's 36. It is such a waste, isn't it? Like all these amazing men who had their lives cut short. That's right. That's why I mean. That's why I don't forget. And I don't want anybody else to forget either. That's why I do the memorial. That's why I do it. You, you have these, these memories. Because the thing is, you know, Harry, you know, people... You know, you can see name. You know, I live in a you know a, a village where you know there's names on a memorial, and you see those names. But it's so important to hit. You know, like you were just saying about Jones and Evans there, that it's 
every one of them is a story. Every one of them had hopes and dreams, and every one of them had a family. You know, it's not just a name on a memorial. These are real people who had real lives that were cut short. Well, because it was a bad day of war, a lot of people get killed. And, uh, well, some don't, some get back. But I can't forget about it. I have never tried. It's here. Did you keep in touch with the guys that came back with you? I left now. I think it's seven. Seven blokes right. all over the country. Well, I'm 95. I don't go pooling about. I, used, I was the chairman of the Southwestern uh, 21 group of the Normandy veterans. I'm the president of the Royal Engineers Association. These fellows that I was in, they was killed, but they never died. So living hearts we leave behind is not to die. They're alive now in my mind. I'll never forget them, and that's the answer. How can you forget somebody who was in a hole in the ground with getting killed right left and centre? I did a, a, I did a thing, I made a mistake. I, I had a bloke died in my arms in Carl in a field. You're supposed to take guard on D-Day. Impossible. It took six weeks to take guard in the field, and the RF came over and bombed the wrong field. And I was in the hole in the ground with a bloke called Needs. He died in my arms, said a prayer for him, held him, he held my hand, and the BBC traced this fella. He had a three-week-old baby. Now the man's 77. And uh, they got him to talk to me on the, on the Skype. He had a, a screen up where he lived, and I had one in my garden. And I spoke to him about his father. And I found out afterwards, he never knew his father. He didn't. And he wasn't very good, because... Uh, he wasn't very pleased that I should be talking about it, but he, he, he lapped it up when I told him about his father, that he died. And then uh, I never heard no more about it, but I know afterwards he told BBC that it upset him because he never knew his father. I never heard no more from Alan, that was what he was called, this three-week-old baby, then 77, whatever he was. I never heard them more, so I let it sleep. But I don't forget his father, because he, as I say, he was always a crowd with me. So how can you forget a boat like that? Did you ever get to know anybody as well as the people that you have served with in the war? I know them all. Yeah. <laughs> I lay in the bed, back along, I quote all their names. Lazenby, Morris, <laughs> all these fellows I knew. I told you, to live in hearts we leave behind is not to die. That's it. So what will you be doing on Remembrance Day, Harry? Well, I should be interviewed on Saturday and on the Sunday, I believe. And the, well, that will be broadcast, I believe. It'll be live. And when's the train? The train is Wednesday the 7th, which is the 11th. Which is the, that is the date of the war, wasn't it? Seventh, I got it. Mm. That is, uh, that 
that's the trade. I'll take the, I'll take it up to the station. And they'll take it up to Paddington. That's to do with the railway. Great Western Railway. But what kind of work did what kind of work did you enjoy doing in you know after the war? I worked till I was eighty three. Mm. What kind of work? Huh? <laughs> well, believe it or not, I was the finest hairdresser in Cornwall. Really? Yes. Wow. And when I and when I went to funerals for the uh, for the Normandy people, being as I was a chairman, I thought I'm going to do this job because I used to make a right cock-up undertaker, so it's a job, no committal at all. I did the service. I knew the bloke in the coffin. I took up the funeral directing. That's what I did. And I did it properly. Hmm. Never had to pay some clergyman to come and tell about the bloke in the coffin. I knew the bloke. I could tell them. And everybody's relations is lies. I told them people they never knew. See, <laughs> they didn't know what, what happened. So I used to talk about the bloke in the box, in the coffin. And that was wonderful for them. Yeah, you knew in a way that they didn't. By the way, at Falaise, 21,000 Germans were in Falaise but the first battle of the war. Eisenhower went there and he said it was impossible to walk in Falaise without walking on human flesh. 21,000 Germans went in there and 60 came out on their feet. It was called the Falaise Pocket. If you try to take up and have a look at it, you'll find out what I'm telling you. No, I, I, remember, I remember reading about that. So um, well, there you are. Yeah, it was, uh, so you were involved in that, were you? I was there, Carl. Leveled car, there was nothing. A car leveled it, which made it very difficult because the Germans were hiding in bomb parts of the buildings. And they were fighting there, mate. Use your knife. You've got to get close to the bloke before you kill him, and then you've got to live with it. It's all very well, these people are full of bullshit. There's no glory in war, no glory at all. You had to do it. It was either them or me. And I, I made up my mind it wouldn't be me. I just carried on. Whatever happened, I'll be there. Don't worry. Did you ever see people that um, that didn't think like you? Did you ever see people that did try and escape? Well, I don't have silly people with me. <laughs> Never had any silly people. They knew, they knew me as a straight bloke. I never asked anybody to do anything I wouldn't do myself. And uh, I respected everybody. I've not got the wind up, you carved them. If someone gets the wind up them, that means they get a bit scared, does it? That's right. And it's only a natural thing to be afraid. I appreciate, you know, telling us about the war, but like I said, I also appreciate just having... 95 years of wisdom passed on as well because um, we end up le- we, we always we end up learning the same lessons again and again don't we so I'm hoping that um, not just myself but people listening can learn from what you have to say so that they don't have to go through you know the, the trial and error I hope you won't get me into trouble <laughs> <laughs> no no we'll, 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 we'll go down together if we, if, if, if we do alright well, right, well cheers Harry thank you so much for this thank you very much for your call
Cheers, Harry. Goodbye. Bye-bye. God bless you. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was a real honour and a great experience to have Harry on. He was a he, he was such a, such a character of a bloke, you know, um, such a such a character of a bloke. One of those people you think, oh, I wish I actually got a chance to serve alongside this guy. Um, please, 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 guys, do everything you can to keep the memory of Harry uh, Harry's comrades um, alive. Whether that's making a post about what they went through, you know, making a post, visiting your local memorial. If you've got kids, tell your kids about what these men and women went through. Tell your kids, tell your neighbours, talk about it. Keep the memory alive. Because like Harry said, as long as the memory of these people is alive, then so are they. So thank you so much for listening, guys. I'll catch you next time. Love you, bye.